Welcome to Trafe, a debatably Jewish podcast. David, they said it couldn't be done, but we're here at the CKUT studios. It's the ninth episode, half high. Wait, who told you it couldn't be done? They. Oh, uh, they told me it could. Oh, yeah? Yeah, I got a lot of encouragement. <laughs> All that being said, it is half high. It's good luck. Yeah, uh, I mean, it's half good luck. So, Sam, have you seen all this stuff about J.K. Rowling coming out uh, against the cultural boycott on Israel? No, I just saw you tweeted something, but I haven't really followed up. Yeah, I mean, usually we would look to our favorite Harry Potter-related podcast hosted by a radical Jew, but that host has recently had a child, so I believe they're taking some time off. So, in the meantime, I feel like we'll fill the gap. And just let people know that J.K. Rowling has indeed come out uh, very clearly against the cultural boycott on Israel. In, in what form? Her name was one of many signatures on a statement that condemned the cultural boycott. Okay. And since that's happened, there's been a lot of backlash, uh, specifically on Twitter. A lot of people were repurposing imagery and lines from Harry Potter books to attack her for it. Huh. And her response was that she wanted to maintain dialogue with Israeli cultural producers because she didn't want to isolate Israeli cultural producers that are critical of the state of Israel, which are people who are explicitly not included in the cultural boycott. Or And yeah, just to be clear about this, the cultural boycott is clearly about institutions um, and state entities. It's not a question of boycotting individuals, but that's too bad that J.K. Rowling falls on that side. Yeah, I'd say after her inclusion of anti-semitic stereotypes in her film this is two strikes for jk rowling so jk rowling you're officially on notice you are speaking of anti-semitism last week the pope met with jewish leaders Uh, to celebrate the 50th anniversary of the nostra aetate i was thinking about how to pronounce that too it was weird they were all so excited and so chummy one sec do you do you want to try and pronounce it once we're at it no i can't pronounce that the Trafe podcast is going with Nostra Aetate. For those who don't know the history here, the Catholic Church decided 50 years ago, so 1965, to basically say that Jews weren't responsible for killing Jesus. Yeah, it was a landmark statement. And 50 years later, everyone in the Catholic Church and everyone in the Jewish community is still loving it. Yeah, I mean, I think there's a huge danger in the ways that this kind of telling of the history that admits some kind of wrongdoing, but also just promotes this chummy Jewish Christian past. Yeah, it was really weird to see people commemorating this in a way that was so positive, I guess. Yeah. That they were so excited that this had happened instead of maybe remembering the long history that led up to it. Yeah, I mean, as a European descended Jew, like white Christian Europeans are my natural predator. Like a giant spider? I don't get that. I don't know. That's a predator, right? Oh, no, predators are like lions. So they're like your lions. The point I'm saying is that I don't think that it's sensible to just look at this love-in with the Pope uncritically. Yeah, the other thing is that I read one of the statements that was put out of this meeting, and the Pope is equating attacks on Jewish people and anti-Semitism with attacks on Israel. So it's very clear what everyone's so chummy about here, I think. For anyone who's made it through our condemnation of the papacy, I think it's pretty clear that David is ill at the moment. Yeah, I got a pretty bad cold uh, and a bit of a fever. So if I say some things that don't seem too well strung together today, my apologies in advance. Yeah, the the nasal factor is a little higher today. Yeah, yeah. 
So I apologize to listeners. You might want to turn the bass up a little bit today. So what do we have on the show today, Sam? Well, we're going to start off with the disastrous online phenomenon that is hashtag Israeli Lives Matter. And then a brief discussion of the JDL attack on a reporter in Paris. And we'll also be highlighting another local struggle, the fight for a $15 per hour minimum wage that includes migrant workers. So Sam, have you seen all these Israeli Lives Matter hashtag posts on, on Twitter? I have, and it feels like ridicule doesn't do enough justice to the ways in which we should take this seriously. Mm. Yeah, I agree. There's a hashtag that's been taken up by most of the institutional Jewish community here on social media, and it's being infused into a lot of the discourse in the Jewish community surrounding violence currently happening in Palestine. I mean, I can't imagine that anyone listening doesn't know the origin of the Lives Matter hashtag, but for anyone listening who doesn't know the origin of the Lives Matter hashtag, it, it started out as a Black Lives Matter hashtag in response to police killings in the U.S. and the popular mobilizations that emerged as a result of them. Yeah, and this appropriation of Black Lives Matter is particularly audacious given the links that were made between uh, Black Lives Matter activists and Palestinian activists. Yeah, I mean, there were, there were a bunch of delegations that have gone to Palestine in the last couple of years. There were a bunch of statements. There was, there was actually a big one that came out recently. Yeah, you're talking about that video? Yeah. Yeah, there was a video made uh, by a lot of prominent black activists, a lot of black actors, musicians, insisting on the links that exist between the experience of white supremacy that black people go through in North America and what's going on to Palestinians. But the language of Israeli lives matter is becoming a lot more common. It's actually made its way into the Canadian Jewish News. There was an article by Gerald Steinberg, uh, who runs NGO Monitor, and he... Which, for I mean, just to be clear, NGO Monitor is one of those... Zionist um, websites slash quote-unquote media criticism like Camera and a bunch of other outfits like that that kind of push the narrative that Israel is mistreated and Zionists are mistreated and anytime anyone references actions undertaken by the Israeli state, they claim that there's some kind of anti-Semitic bias. Yeah, and this was no different. The headline of the article was Memo to the CBC, Israeli Lives Matter. And the article distilled a lot of the discourse that's going on within the institutional Jewish groups. It put the words checkpoints and occupation in quotations, and it essentially attacked any organization, uh, Amnesty International, the CBC, that have spoken at all about the role of the occupation in motivating uh, upticks of violence in Palestine. Anyone listening doesn't really need to be sold on the ways in which pro-Israel groups uh, ultimately make things up in the service of defending an untenable position. But this particular appropriation is also so ridiculous because of the realities of white supremacy in Israel. Just over the summer, there are uprisings of Ethiopian Jews to the systemic white supremacy that they experienced there. There's a recent murder of Mulu Habtom Zerham. There's race, you know, systemic racism against Mizrahi Jews, anti-migrant policies, and the consistent incitement by officials there to adopt the language of a movement that confronts white supremacy to perpetuate it is at a level that I think requires uh, some confrontation. So, and there's one other issue in the Israeli Lives Matter, which is tied up to this strange practice of groups like the NGO Monitor and Gerald Steinberg and the CJN of positioning the dominant settler state as the victim, using the language of structurally marginalized and oppressed communities for a state that perpetuates apartheid practices in Palestine. And I think this might even be a slightly different story if the institutional Jewish community here had a better track record of having the backs of black activists, but it's just not the case. Just the other week, 
on the same night that there was a Justice for Police Killings vigil in Montreal, the Center for Israel and Jewish Affairs National Director of Community Security was honored by the Montreal police. And this is on the heels of the Anti-Defamation League, a prominent Jewish organization in the United States, was honoring St. Louis police at the same time that they were continuing to murder black youth with impunity. There's definitely a consistency to institutional Jewish groups choosing the same side here that they've chosen in the struggle in Palestine. Last week, the Jewish Defense League and several other radical groups organized a demonstration in Paris outside of the Agence France Presse office. And at that demonstration, a BuzzFeed reporter whose name is David Perrotin was identified by the group of JDL-affiliated supporters and assaulted by a gang of protesters. Yeah, and this is behavior that we see from the JDL pretty consistently. They're actually a banned group in the United States as, as well as in Israel. Yeah, and so the, the, the point that I think is relevant for the purposes of this radio show is to mention that both the Forward and the Canadian Jewish News barely touched on this, this violent assault by members of the Jewish Defense League. The Forward only had a brief two or three paragraph Jewish Telegraphic Agency article, and the CJN didn't even mention it. Yeah, I feel like there's been a bit of a shift in the Canadian Jewish News's coverage on a lot of things over the past month or two. I know that Yoni Goldstein had a column, the editor of the paper, where he took a very clear position on what's going on in Palestine right now. Do you want to explain? So what was the clear position in that piece? Um, the, the position of the piece was essentially saying that the current violence that we're seeing in Palestine is a result of what he describes as Mahmoud Abbas's lies that the Netanyahu administration want to change the status quo on the Temple Mount, and if only he would stop perpetrating these lies, then this violence would cease as well. Yeesh. I guess the, the, the part that really shocked me for the CJN is not only did they not mention the fact that this attack took place, but last week they tweeted something out that I was pretty surprised by. The full tweet is as follows. JDL, Mayor Weinstein's call to support Israel. And it's just a video of Mayor Weinstein, the head of JDL, which is a known hate group in the United States and in Israel. And uncritically, they are just putting forward this man's violent message on Twitter. Wait, really? Yeah. That's so weird. I didn't actually see that. I tweeted at them. They did not answer. Huh. They usually respond to our tweets pretty well. They do. Was there an Israeli Lives Matter hashtag on that? Uh, that no, there was not on that. But on a future, on a subsequent tweet, they used Israeli Lives Matter to show a video of the similar demo. Wow. Well, I think, I think there was a thing that was happening with uh, a lot of the Jewish press along with the institutional Jewish community in the lead up to the Canadian federal election, where because it was a bit unclear where things were going and because there was a lot of internal strife within the Jewish community, a lot of people uh, attacking supporters of the Liberal Party, there was an effort on the part of Jewish community leaders to try to tone down the rhetoric, to try to dial things back a bit and to have an appearance of a more tolerant liberal uh, community. And I think that now the election's over, we're seeing a bit more, we're kind of seeing things dialed back up a bit. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I don't know how you can tweet uncritically a video to the leader of a group who is pro-Merkahana, who has not condemned multiple terrorist actions undertaken by the JDL across the world and throughout history. I, I don't know, maybe I just have high standards of the Canadian Jewish News. The question for me is who's running their Twitter account? Yeah. I, I have no idea. I mean, anyone at the Canadian Jewish News, if you're listening, let us know. Find a box for your Lulav. Get out the gelt. It's time for Skryach.
Yeah, so it kind of feels like there's something special about this half high shkoyach we've got going on. I feel like there's all this pressure now. No, not at all. I just I'm just pointing out that we have this shared. We've made it to half high in terms of shkoyachs, and that's that's a nice thing. It's true. So, what do you have for the people this week? So my shkoyach for this week goes to Alex Johnstone, the former NDP candidate for Hamilton West Ancaster Dundas. Uh, point of information: Alex Johnstone or Alex Johnston? Johnstone. Okay. So this shkoyach is breaking a bit of a moratorium that we had created on talking about some of these gaffes that some NDP candidates made about Jewish issues during the election. We said we didn't want to talk about it. It was a bit of a sideshow, but now the election's over and we're free. So my shkoyach goes to Alex Johnstone because after it came out that she had made a strange reference to a photo of Auschwitz, the notorious Nazi death camp on the internet, she said in an interview with a local newspaper that before that interview, she actually didn't know about the existence of this camp. All right, two questions. Um, what did she actually say about Auschwitz on the social media? Oh, uh, there was a photo and she didn't know what it was. Someone had made a trip to Poland and she compared some of these poles around the fences to penises. Honest mistake. But anyway, the Shkoyach isn't for this. Like that was that was just stupid. The Shkoyach is because although she lost by quite a large margin to the liberal uh, now MP for this area, she was able to get a free trip to Auschwitz from the Simon Wiesenthal Center. Oh wow! Yeah, they took her on. They took her on one of their trips that they do, and she got to see the camp, and they taught her about it. And I suppose she'll bring back that information to her current job, which is as a trustee for the local school board. Uh, oh. <laughs> okay. Um, so you're giving your shkoyach to Alex for going to Poland well, she, on, on the Simon Wiesenthal's dime? Exactly. I mean, she you, didn't win, but she got the free trip. That's true. Do you feel like her analysis has ameliorated or gotten worse as a result of her trip? Well, that's the thing, right? Like now she knows that Auschwitz exists, but she did spend an extended period of time with people from the Simon Wiesenthal Center. And if their CEO, Avi Ben Lolo, is any indication... It may have not been a positive experience in that respect. I don't know. Do you know this guy? I've never heard of him before, no. Uh, we've been sleeping on him, Sam. He is the extremely sharply dressed voice of the Simon Wiesenthal Center. He actually wrote an article in the Globe and Mail the other day urging Justin Trudeau not to divert from Harper's position on Palestine. Huh. Do you do you say Wiesenthal or Weisenthal? I say Wiesenthal. Okay. What do you say? I, I, I'm not sure. I'm just thinking about it now. I mean, I'm pretty sure it's Wiesenthal. Mm. Oh, although I think it is the I before the E. Oh, yeah. Well, Except I don't know. after C. Someone, listeners, this is an opportunity to write us in. But uh, Sam, what's your square for today? To be honest, David, I never thought I'd come to this place. You mean CKOT? Not CKOT, which is actually in the midst of a very important funding drive. Yeah, please donate. You can go to CKOT.ca. No, I just didn't think I'd ever come to a place where I'd be giving a square to... Uh, the German state to <laughs> the people of Germany. Uh, to listeners who are not aware, uh, Samuel Bick has a very particular aversion to all things related to the German state. Which I think is fairly justified along the lines of fool me once, shame on you. Anyway, we could get into that. That's a whole separate discussion. But what's your why, why are you awarding them a Schkoyach? So my Schkoyach goes to Germany for a very clear reason, because they stood up in the face of massive Holocaust denialism that happened last week. Oh, really? 
Yes, the perpetrator of this Holocaust denialism was one Benjamin Netanyahu, current leader of the Israel, and was speaking in front of the World Zionist Organization when he said that Hitler was only initially planning to expel the Jews from Europe. And it was, in fact, uh, Mufti of Jerusalem, Haj Amin al-Husseini, who persuaded him to embark on the campaign of, of, of extermination. You know what I read in Haaretz the other day, though, is apparently his dad... Uh, in the 40s, he was a revisionist activist in New York, and he took out a full-page ad with his organization in the New York Times condemning the Mufti for this exact thing. Who's his dad? Ben Sion Netanyahu. Oh, 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 the father of Benjamin. Well, okay, so this has been this is a this is a um, a lie that has been long-standing in the Netanyahu household. Exactly. Yeah. What? <laughs> so Netanyahu said this at the World Zionist Organization Congress, and then when it became a big media story, both in Israel and in the West. Netanyahu doubled down. He did not retract in any way. He did this thing where he kind of said the exact same thing over again in different words. Yeah, and I think just for our listeners, one of the reasons that this is factually inaccurate is because the gears are already in motion to the final solution when the meeting that Benjamin Netanyahu is alluding to happened. Yeah, and just returning back to the point of the Shkoyach, uh, the German government was swift in their response to Netanyahu's comments. Um, Angela Merkel said straight straight up, we abide by our responsibility for the Shoah. Um, her spokesperson said something to the effect of the fact that the Holocaust is very much a German crime. He said that all of us Germans know very precisely the history of the murderous racial fanaticism of the National Socialists that led to the break with civilization that was the Shoah. He said that the Holocaust is taught in German schools for good reason. It must never be forgotten. And my favorite part of this whole explanation was that we know that responsibility for this crime against humanity is German and very much our own. So the wow. Germans were adamant in accepting responsibility for the Holocaust. Wow. So the prime minister of Israel comes out and says that Hitler got the idea from Palestinians. And then Germany says, no, 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 it was us. Yes, yeah, very confusing. There's a bunch of subplots here. I think, first of all, it's not new. I think the Zionists try to conflate um, anti-Semitism from Europe with forms of anti-Jewishness that comes out of resistance to Zionism. The other somewhat interesting thing is that he kind of identifies Palestinians as a nation and a people in doing this, mm -hmm. which is a huge no-no in advocacy for Israel. One last interesting thing that I came across in researching this segment was the fact that during the Second World War, there were three declarations issued by senior Muslim clerics in Bosnia against the Croat Nazi measures against Jews uh, during the Second World War. And Albania was the only place where the population of Jews in the Nazi-controlled Europe increased uh, during the course of the war. Was it because people, came, people were fleeing from other places? Uh, I don't have that research. I guess the point of this segment in the context of a large article that I read it in was to say that uh, in some cases, the response of Muslim community in parts of Europe was, it was greater in terms of protecting Jew their Jewish neighbors and the like than other Christian European countries. Oh, definitely. Yeah. And that's been documented for sure. Yeah. So I'd say that this is a conditional Shkoyach to Germany and one that I can take away. But for the time being, I'm giving a Shkoyach to Germany. Wow. I never thought I'd see it happen. Same here.
just like last week, we're going to end the show by highlighting a particular campaign that is being undertaken. Yeah, last week we spoke with Amanda Lickers, who was telling us a bit about the struggle against the city of Montreal's plans to dump sewage. Yeah, and uh, it's actually ongoing, right? Yeah, there is a presence right now in Ganawage, and there's a call out for people to donate food, to donate blankets and other supplies. If you want to find out more about it, you can go to the Facebook page, The Protectors of the St. Lawrence River, Time for Change. Yeah, so for today's short discussion, we're going to be joined by Manuel Salmanaka Cardona, who's an organizer of the Temporary Agency Workers Association at the Immigrant Workers Center in Montreal. Hey, Manuel, can you talk a little bit about the Fight for 15 campaign? Yeah, we're trying to set this movement in Quebec, also in other places in Canada, it's starting. So it's a growing movement. The, the current uh, minimum salary right now is not enough to, to have a decent life. The study made by Iris, for example, um, it's an institute of economic research based here in Canada and Quebec, which shows that the minimum wage to have a decent life here in Quebec is at least $15 per hour. You have a, a great group of people who are vulnerable to be in really bad conditions of work, in very precarious conditions of work. So usually they have to work with agencies, with temporary agencies. Also, usually they, they don't complete 40 hours per week. Can you talk a little bit about how the Fight for 15 is connected to the Coalition for Migrant Worker Rights that was announced a couple of days ago? Yeah. So just to maybe to, to clarify, it's good to say that there are two things which are related but that are different. One is the coalition against the precarious work, uh, who is starting the movement for the for the fifteen dollars, and there is the pan-Canadian coalition to defend the migrant workers, right, to improve their rights. But also they are related, no, because they are at the end we, we want the same the same general objectives, which are to improve the, the conditions of life of migrant and immigrant workers. So if people want to support the struggle here or nationally with this new coalition pushing for migrant worker rights, uh, how can they do that? It's important that people first check the demands, check the objectives of this coalition, and know more about the problematic, because many people don't understand in Canada what's happening really in these problems. So they are not very well informed about what are the real conditions, how these workers are brought here to Canada to work. Many of the workers also don't know it until they arrive here and they experience the process of exploitation. And then see the, the, the ways to contact if they want to support, to see the different rallies or activities or uh, actions that are going to be taken in the next month to uh, ask to the government of uh, Justin Trudeau to fix the damages that the conservative government made on the last year with the changes they did to the, to the migratory laws about the temporary foreign worker program. Well, Manuel, thanks so much for, uh, for talking with us today. No, thank you. Thank you, Sam. So for people who want more information about either of these campaigns, you can check out the Immigrant Workers Center on Facebook and Twitter. Uh, on Facebook, it's IWC-CTI. And on Twitter, it's CTI underscore IWC. Yeah, and if you're interested in getting involved with the national campaign for uh, migrant worker rights, you can go to migrantrights.ca. And just another reminder, if you're going to be sending hate mail to the show, please do not send it to our personal accounts. Send it to trafepodcast at gmail.com.
Trafe podcast is Sam Bick and David Zinman. A huge thanks to CKUT 90.3 FM. Today's episode was recorded at their studios in the shadow of the giant cross of secularism on occupied Ganyagahaga territory. Thank you to our director of design, Claire Hertig, to Sax Syndrome for the music, and to our unnamed social media consultant. You can follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Tumblr at Treyf, T-R-E-Y-F, and please, please send comments and suggestions to treyfpodcast at gmail.com. More episodes soon. Sam, have you seen all of the... Oh, no, no, sorry, sorry, sorry. Eins, eins, zwei, drei. So, Sam, have you seen all these Israeli Lives Matter hashtag posts on, on Twitter?